As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I am David Mooney. I am joined, as usual, by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. Uh, you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for £2 a month for 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, Sam, this week I thought we'd dive straight into uh, kind of Guardiola, the team, the performances, that sort of stuff, because it's been the big talking point of the week. Um, we, we we chatted on uh, the Blue Moon podcast uh, straight after the Spurs game uh, about yeah. what Guardiola was saying and, and, and kind of how he'd, uh, how he'd commented on the game. Um after the Wolves game, are you any closer to seeing what it is that City have been missing and, and kind of like like what he's getting at? Um, in, in terms of like, I suppose this is probably the most important thing actually. Um, but in terms of the commitment and uh, energy levels and intensity and that, I'd say, yeah, we, we saw a, a good response there. Um, there probably would have been a, you know, if City had of, it's funny, isn't it? Because City could have lost yesterday, but could have shown Guardiola Exactly what the he kind wanted. Of thing yeah. he wanted. <laughs> and they could have they could have won. Let's say hmm. But say if, like if, the they, if they'd game. lost if they'd lost yeah. and then he'd come out and he'd and, and shown what he wanted and he'd come out afterwards and said, Yeah, but I know we lost, but we did this, we did this, we did this. We'd yeah, all be sitting yeah. here going, Yeah, but that's just him being him. Yeah, I mean yeah, maybe it's a silly route to go down. Because the other the other example was um if it was like the Everton game, but obviously without the, the world equaliser, um he'd he'd probably have been happy with that to be fair. Um, but then on the outside, we'd be like, "Oh, I don't know if they, I don't know if they showed much of what he wanted there because it was a bit slow and blah blah blah." But anyway, um, it wasn't slow. I thought they deserved the goal in the first half because um, again, you got p- performance is one thing, and kind of the the attitude and commitment is another, and that's basically been the whole thing that Guardiola's been talking about recently. When he was like, "Look, I don't care or, about the Premier League or whatever," you know, obviously what he's saying is he he does want to win it, but what he cares about is winning it in the right way. And obviously winning it in the right way is for his players. He, when he says, I want to see my team, you know, he wants them to be committed and all of that and put in the effort and the energy. And yeah, I, th- I thought we saw that in the first half. Um, I mean, the, the second half as well, but if just look at the way like Gundogan was like running around, snapping up loose balls like he normally does. And I mean, just, you, you could tell, but then, but then again, I thought there was a lot of that in the, in the Spurs game. Um, again, the performance um, against Spurs was 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 good, but obviously there was a few scares on the counter attack. It wasn't perfect city, and yesterday it wasn't perfect city. But um, yeah, the application of the players, which is probably the thing you'd be looking at, the thing you'd be saying: Do they look like they want to play for him? Have they been pissed off, arguably, by what he said on Thursday about how he said it and all of this kind of stuff? Um, are they are they that bothered? Like it certainly looked like they were bothered yesterday. It wasn't the best performance, um, but it was one of the better ones since the World Cup. Um, and yeah, like I say, it was that kind of emotional energy and intensity that that I thought was there. And the way I, I was saying before the game um, to a mate on WhatsApp, they kind of they need to have patience against Wolves, but they need to do it with intensity. Like yeah. if there is a perfect blend there, that's not just you know, patience, but overly cautious. 
um, but also intensity without just rushing the ball and rushing the ball forward and, and losing it, then that's perfect. And to be honest, I thought that was how they played because it wasn't going to be easy to create a load of chances against a team that sits back. But I thought City did well with some of the moves they did pull off. And then obviously with the goal that they got, it was a kind of classic City goal, wasn't it? The switch and, and the De Bruyne across and obviously now the Haaland element. Um, I thought they deserved that. And then, I mean, the second half was completely different, wasn't it? City got a couple of goals and then it became a bit of a, a weird game. Yeah. it's. I mean, let's just touch on Spurs briefly as well, because um, like we said on that podcast as well, we both thought that Spurs was a good display. And like the more I've thought about it since, I'm wondering if Guardiola might have thought it was a good display, but at the same time, kind of it was still missing the stuff that he wanted to see. Yeah, well, it's funny, isn't it? Because... Well, he, he kept saying throughout, because he did like 10 minutes. He obviously did like four or five minutes, was it, that Sky interview? I don't even know if he did like Be In or something or like NBC and, and said the same there. But he, he obviously did like the Sky Sports interview on, on Thursday night. He did 10 minutes in the press conference, like the first bit. And I think he did like another four or five minutes in the embargo bit afterwards. So he, he said all he had to say, and it was obvious what he was saying, you know, about the hunger and the desire and stuff. But he did keep saying... um. You know, in terms of the quality, he doesn't doubt the players, and um, yeah. So that that was more overall, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. so much because he, he said it, we were, you know, three two. We were three two up, and I turned at the bench, and I was like, "How has this happened?" Kind of thing. But yeah, you're right. Um, and also, the other element of it is so we put out an article yesterday after the game with kind of a bit more details on you know the past few days and why he said what he said and when you know, why he said it when he said it and this kind of stuff. And also like the players' reaction and, you know, the players actually had a big long talk between themselves in the dressing room at Old Trafford just to try and, you know, sort things out. And, uh, you know, apparently from their perspective, that was like a step in the right direction and things, they thought things had started to change then already. Obviously, Guardiola's working on a slightly different timeline. But in the article, um, it says that, you know, Guardiola told them all of that at halftime against Spurs. So obviously it wasn't a new thing for them to hear, and I'm, you know, I'm sure he's been saying it recently as well. But yeah, he said it at half time. Um, but then you would think if we're looking talking about reactions, and we're thinking we wanted to see in the Wolves game how they responded to what he said Thursday night. Well, he said it at half time on Thursday. They responded like ten minutes the into the second half. Yeah, <laughs> it was four. Yeah, four goals. And look, yeah, there were still times when I was. I remember saying. I was I was still nervous about Spurs just threat on the counter attack, and there was a few times when it was a bit uncomfortable for City. And obviously, you had the Lewis um, like block that uh, ricocheted onto the the outside of the post and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there was a reaction there, um, so we we've seen that, and it's obviously Guardiola. Yeah, to be honest, because what did he say? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the conversations I've had, and I'm trying to remember what he said after the Wolves game because he said the Wolves game was similar to the performance against Spurs in the first half. Um, and I, again, I thought they were they were. To be honest, I thought they were probably a bit better against Wolves in the first half. Again, maybe I'm just falling for the fact they scored. Um, but I'm I'm trying to think how it compares overall to what he thought about the Spurs game because yeah going back to your question does he now see good stuff I think he definitely did um, but the other thing was he's talking about that 99.9 percent is that not last 0.1 percent that's missing and he even said and people might not have seen this so much because it was in the embargoed section and only kind of came to light on Saturday night Sunday morning but he was like look I was a player at Barcelona I won four titles in a row and the fifth and the sixth season wasn't the same you know I didn't have the same hunger he goes I wasn't starving enough so I understand so he's and this was obviously this was all at the same time on Thursday it's basically as far as he was concerned he doesn't really appreciate that people won't hear about this for another two days this was all part of the same message but he, he gets it he knows he knows that that's completely normal but then he said but it's my job to make them do it and he was like the chairman knows that so he knows that he's maybe going over the top but Basically, he doesn't want to accept another season where they just kind of drift off and, like nineteen twenty, finish second. Maybe they'll score a hundred goals. You know, yeah. maybe they'll get the most clean sheets again. But he doesn't want that. He wants to win. So obviously, he took this course of action. And so, despite maybe seeing a reaction from the players at half time against Spurs, he obviously wanted to ram it home 
just to make sure, because look, we're all talking about it now. There is nowhere to hide, is there? Yeah. Because if he hadn't said all that, I would have written an article saying about how great and how brave they were against Spurs, which I stand by. I would have written that, and I still believe there was a lot of really good stuff that they did in that game. Um, but obviously, the little things that that we don't see and the little things that I mean, we could see but didn't really pick up on. You know, like him saying the players didn't defend Rico Lewis when he was getting fouled. Like, I'm sure some people would have picked up on that, but I don't think it would have been... It's not a common thing to... It's not to, a, yeah. a big thing. I mean, if I imagine I imagine he hadn't said anything and I'd written an article saying this City team are, are going to win nothing this season because when Rico Lewis got fouled in the first half, none of them defended him. I know they won 4-2, by the way. I don't know they came back. And I, <laughs> I know, I know Myers was great, but they're going to win nothing. People would have said I was a right dick. Like people just would not have accepted that at all. But obviously, Guardiola has completely changed the narrative, and now everyone's looking, uh, being hypercritical, maybe. Yeah, we're, and that's we're all, I didn't we're all looking. My yeah, we're all looking for those intangible moments, the the, the exactly. moments in games where it, it's not immediately obvious the the quality of the team or, or or whatever. It's just about oh, that is part of the extra point one percent, as you say. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's kind of. He got that reaction initially anyway, but then he was like, right, I'm just going to, this is it. This is doubling down. This is making sure that he, he put the ball in their court, basically, because that's the whole, whether they win the league or they don't this season, I think everything is going to come back to to that night against Spurs, not necessarily on the pitch, um, but mainly what happened off it, because obviously that's when it all became public. And if if City managed to win the league, that's going to go down as a masterstroke. Um if they don't win the league, it's not going to go down as a disaster. It's just going to go down as him, you know, being desperate to try and turn the situation around. But ultimately, couldn't. That's going to be the biggest thing this season. Um, and that Gundogan quote is going to be right alongside it. Um, and, that, and that's just that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, he obviously felt that. Well, he did. He did feel that it was kind of the last chance to to make sure that City sort themselves out because obviously there's plenty of time to go. But the more you see it creeping in. Obviously, the more problematic it could be, and yeah. yeah, the Wolves game there was yeah there was some some good stuff to like, but again, well, that's the problem with consistency. One week you're thinking, oh yeah, they're like look at Liverpool this season. Liverpool beat um, City, and everyone's like, oh yeah, that'll turn them around. And then they beat West Ham very fortunately. And then was it Forest they lost to a few days after? Yeah, like, that's the thing. You can beat good teams. You can put in good performances. You can pick up wins. Like even earlier than that, when they got that last minute win against Newcastle, was that the only time Newcastle lost this season? Yeah. And they really didn't deserve it. And if, and that was only quite early in the season. And everyone was like, okay, well, that will spark Liverpool into life. That you can, you can get these wins. So we could talk about Spurs. We could talk about Wolves. And then maybe they lose to, okay, Arsenal in the FA Cup. We don't know what kind of teams they're, they're going to put out. But maybe, maybe it's Spurs away. Maybe it's Arsenal in the league. Maybe it's Forest away. We just mentioned that against Liverpool. Like You, you can never be certain. Um, and that's it. When Guardiola was asked about it afterwards yesterday, he was like, well, yeah, there was, there was some good stuff. We improved, but... It's only one day. It's only today. I need to see more, and that's how it's going to be now. And like I say, that's the whole lens to see this season through now from a city perspective. There's no other way of looking at this season. And also, um, it does highlight you know, this wasn't Guardiola's aim because ultimately he knows it's it's a non-conversation really. But like we were saying before, it's the Haaland adaptation is not the main issue at the moment. You know, it's it's an issue this season in the sense of. City aren't quite fluid. They're not quite perfect because they're trying to fit Haaland in. No, but that's not the reason that. why they've yeah. been struggling recently. The reason why they've been struggling recently, now everybody knows because of the fitness issues and obviously the fitness issues of the World Cup but obviously the other kind of hangovers that have been going on with Attitude and, and all that kind of stuff which has obviously only recently crept in for whatever reason. Uh, ultimately though, Sam, like should, the, the simple question is, should he be happy with the with the Wolves' performance? Was it a step up in in terms of of those intangible, the the kind of in the clouds aspects of the games that uh, th- that he wants to see? Because I'm I'm finding it very difficult to look at that through the prism of that. Because ultimately, what I saw was a pretty decent performance against a a, a, um, a side that is you know struggling down the bottom of the table and was wanting to do everything to, to to stay solid and resolute. And City just just kind of eased through the gears and took them apart and. Like what he's talking about in terms of uh, kind of that extra kind of 0.1% or whatever is when you look at, 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 I mean, let's take Arsenal for this season, the intensity that they were playing with, like that last 10 minutes against United yesterday, you you, you knew they were going to score because of the way the game was going. And I've not kind of felt that from City yet this season. 
Uh, well, I mean, Thursday, you could say there was a. They started the second. I mean, the thing is, the Thursday, it feels like Thursday night in terms of the press conference was really recent. And it feels like the performance against Spurs was about a week earlier. I'm having a real difficult time remembering the game as clearly as the press conference. And maybe that's partly just because of how I, you know, work in football, but it's mainly just because. Well, yeah, it's because of working football, isn't it? Like that press <laughs> conference was like, this is extraordinary. Whereas the comeback on the pitch, kind of seen it before um, from City. But I suppose there was that, um, I don't know, you don't really feel inevitability for your own team the way you do for others either, do you? You're, you think, yeah, oh, we're playing yeah, well, yeah. but we're not, we're not creating the chances or it's not clicking or it's going to be one of those days. Whereas you see a tight arrival and you think, oh, they're going to score, obviously. Um Although it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's the thing with Arsenal. And to be honest, yesterday was the biggest step towards thinking, bloody hell, yeah, they are gonna, they are gonna win it. Um, but two points there. One is, if it was Liverpool and they'd done that yesterday, you'd be sick as a dog today. You'd be off. Oh, forget it. Like, forget it. There's no way that they're losing the title now. But there's still a bit of doubt with Arsenal. Obviously, maybe that's because they've got to play City twice. Um, but obviously, the other thing is, it's one of those things about how. It, results feel but yeah. we know that how results feel don't always translate into reality because how many results would Liverpool have had over the past few years where if they'd won the league you could go back and say that was a key day but obviously they didn't so nobody talked about it or at the time you feel like oh they're just not going away like I remember last season they beat Wolves in like December it was like the 97th minute and that's one of those games where you just think oh they're like they're just not going to be beaten, are they? They're going to win the league, and obviously everyone after the nil-nil at Palace and with with City, everyone thinking, "Oh, Liverpool are playing much better. City aren't playing well." And th- there's all those elements to that. But um, yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent there on Arsenal's intensity and the way it kind of felt inevitable. But I don't know. I know I'm what sure you mean. with no, City. I know what you mean. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure with City, they have had that. I mean, before the World Cup, feels a long time ago. Um, and I suppose the the Spurs game was similar to the the Palace game. Uh, obviously, very similar. It was 2-0 at half-time and then 4-2 at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, there have been times when, when City have, have had that. But um, yeah, maybe there's an element of what when Guardiola said, don't try and fight the pass because the pass is always going to win. Because I suppose if you're comparing it to that Villa game at the end of the season, then nothing's going to compare to that, is it? And obviously then going back to 93 20 Um but yeah, I know what you mean. I suppose another part of it is how many times they've been put in that situation. Um, because obviously recently, I mean, they dropped points recently and that's been why they've kind of fallen further behind Arsenal. But they're not massively far behind. And the game is earlier in the season where they have dropped points. I mean, the Newcastle game was a shocker really in terms of how open they were. But they were two goals down and and did really well to come back. And um had chances to win it after that as well so yeah I don't know I think it is I think it is still there like I said I don't, I don't think it's a lot they're missing it is these this is why it's very difficult I think that was part of the question as well we're trying to judge um, whether City um, showed Guardiola what he wanted but it's it's impossible to know what many of those little details are because even one of those on the pitch that Rico Lewis one was incredibly subtle really yeah Um Yes, it, it, it's very difficult. But that's why we were kind of entitled to be like, well, Pep, that's what I said to him afterwards. Because he was asked about if he was happy with the reaction in relation to the game. And I was like, well, you were talking the other night about all the the stuff that we don't see, the million little details we don't see. I was like, so how's that been? Because we, we can't see. Um, but then he was like, well, we had like a, he said, he, a, he said a live we, session yeah. on Friday. And he like said we barely trained, yeah. Yeah, but it was like, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it's just, that is the same thing. But then he mentioned the warm-up, didn't he? But... I should have just held on to the microphone a bit longer because then I thought it goes back to the days when, you know, Arteta would say, oh, they've done a really good warm-up today. Um, that would have been a good question, but there'd be another time for that. Because he did mention he did mention the warm-up and I thought, was that a, a good warm-up, you know, the intensity of, of the warm-up? But again, if that's the level, things we're never going to notice. Look, if you're in the ground an hour before kickoff or like 40 minutes before kickoff, you can see them warming up. But are you going to know if that's a, a good one, yeah, warm-up. A bad exactly. Warm-up, yeah. Like it's all all of these things, and that, that's why I really didn't want to dwell too much on the game itself and what happened because I, I would I would have been massively off what Guardiola was thinking on Thursday night in terms of what my reading of that game. 
um, and what he what his reading was. So yeah, it's yeah. I think it's we're just it's difficult being at Guardiola's mercy on this because he doesn't always um, say say the stuff that he believes. But with this, it's just what Guardiola says, and then I suppose obviously speaking to people around him to get the kind of private version of how he's feeling because you're never gonna you're never gonna work it out just from from looking at what City do either in the pitch or, or in the warm up. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about uh, the game itself against Wolves, Sam. Uh, because, uh, I mean, th- this is an interesting aspect of it as well, because uh, I just mentioned to you that I thought the second half was better than the first half uh, last night. Yeah. And uh, you were like, well, I didn't think that at all. And no. so I did a little quick poll on Twitter to see what the general mood was. Of people. Oh, right, okay. Um, and most people agree with you. Most people uh, think that the first half was a, was a better performance from City than the second half. But what I saw in the second half was a team that came out and it, it, it seemed to play with a lot more intensity and I just seem to remember, I, I see a lot more of uh, De Bruyne charging down on the Wolves box and, and putting them under pressure and winning the ball back high up. And that's the, the sort of stuff I, I think of as, as classic Guardiola City rather than uh, the, I, I mean, it, like you said earlier, it changed with the substitutions and, you know, the, t- the two early goals in the second half mean that, you know, they take they move personnel around and like the game peters to a close. I accept that kind of yeah. weighs down on the second half. But for that kind of first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, I thought I thought the step up in performance was huge and they earned that they, they earned the two goals they scored. And I, I just find it I find it interesting that that so many people saw the first half as kind of maybe a bit closer to what they wanted to see from City, whereas I saw it as a very, very um I I, I felt they were struggling to get into dangerous positions. Uh, well, I mean like I said like I said earlier on, I thought they they put together good moves and they they attacked as well as they could against a team that's going to sit back and deny spaces and all that kind of stuff. And you know they got the goal that they deserved. If it had if it had been nil nil at half time, I don't think I'd have been especially worried or critical. Um, and like they had, they had that's the thing as well. They had control of the game, didn't they? Yeah. How often did Wolves? really attack I mean there was definitely a few whiffs of counter-attacks I don't, um, think, they, I don't think they touched it in City's box by half time yeah exactly I mean obviously it's not just about that it's like when people say oh there's no shots on target it's like well there was some blocked and there was some that hit yeah. the bar or whatever it was like well there's, there's, there's different parameters but obviously that is quite telling but yeah there was there was like the whiff of a counter-attack there was that one where Lewis got fouled and they wanted a foul And I mean the, I suppose we've got to mention the ref haven't we just because everyone else did but it was quite shocking, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had that control of the game, and I thought they were attacking with intensity. They weren't moving the ball slowly. They were switching it well. They were, you know, the, the wingers were were kind of aggressive and direct, and that's what I liked. And then at the start of the second half, I thought Wolves. It was basically up until City won the penalty. I thought Wolves looked quite threatening, and then City won the penalty, which was another good move. Um, that good Gundogan run, good Grealish pass. No, was it the Grealish pass or was it Ake's pass? Because Ake remember. did a really good. I think it was Ake. I just remember um, that uh, it was it, it was one of those great penalties where um, the the defending team don't even bother to try and say it wasn't a penalty yeah, because it was yeah, such yeah. of a stonewaller. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I tweeted, I went, that's a massive pen. Like, it's just a penalty, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's um, like, oh, shit, it, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, and it was, it's not like, uh, it's not like, yeah, that's it. it's stonewall. It's not, there was one Newcastle against Leicester, I think, on around Boxing Day after like three minutes. And I can't remember who it was for Leicester. I can't remember who won it for Newcastle. But he just took him out in the box. And he was like, oh, mate, that's the most obvious penalty of all time. <laughs> but that was just stupid. But this one is, oh, you've just clipped his heels. It's a pen. There's, there's, just no, there's no point wasting emotional energy on it. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, scored again after that. 
And then the game just got massively stretched and ropey. But I mean, maybe my reading of it is tainted or tinged by the fact that I was quite disappointed that City didn't score on the break. Because it was like, if you're going to have so many chances on the break, and obviously we know that their whole game is often slowing it down. And they yeah, did that quite a few times. Avoid the transitions, yeah. They did that quite a few times, but they did also try to score on transitions and just kept, uh, maybe it was that caught into minds element of it. Because there, there was the amount of times when it was like De Bruyne or Haaland would have been offside, I'm um, sorry, onside, because they were in their own half. That's how like clear the opportunities were to, especially when it's De Bruyne. It's like, I didn't, because I didn't think De Bruyne played particularly well, but obviously he got another assist, which he manages to do. But it was like, if you are on your game or if you want an opportunity to get on your game, just swing that ball in behind and let Haaland run onto it. And obviously later on, there was chances for, for Alvarez as well. And, and even the one they did get when Mario scored, but it was just offside. It's like, come on, lads. Like, if this game's going to be end-to-end and Wolves are going to have chances on the break, which I think they did, or at least they looked threatening on the break, even if they didn't always lead to chances, you might as well make the most of it and add a few more goals yourself and give the fans something to, to, to cheer about. I just thought it got massively ropey. But I was, I was glad when Alvarez came on in a way that it was for Haaland because it didn't mean that they changed the structure massively. Yeah. Because he went off on what? He went off on the hour, didn't he? It was well. I, I was wondering if he would, um, if he would get his two points for his fantasy league appearance, yeah. Despite the fact that he got a hat trick, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody next to me said that. They were like, I think it's when he crosses the line. And we were looking at the clock, and it was like sixty minutes and fifteen seconds. Or something. <laughs> um, so, but I was quite, I was glad because obviously we talked at the start of the season about, you know, when City were like three 0 up or four 0 up or something, they'd make loads of subs. The whole front line would be different, and then the last 15 20 minutes wouldn't really be worth watching, yeah, because they just kind of fell apart a bit, just lost the cohesion. And but when it was Alvarez on for Haaland, I was okay, well, this is going to be roughly the same. And I was like, this is an opportunity for City to really, if we're talking about reactions or whatever, and the way the game was, and I because Wolves were ragged as well by that point, it was like, if you could make this five or six. That be that would be perfect. Like, so maybe Guardiola would be like, okay, well, it wasn't this and it wasn't that. But in terms of like messages to other teams and stuff, and everyone would be like, okay, well, City are back then. Um, but yeah, so I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed with that. But I thought the second half basically is because they didn't really have that control of the game, and I thought the first half they played it perfectly. Yeah, it's interesting that you um, what you said about De Bruyne's performance as well because I genuinely at full time was was thinking, um, oh, that's a that's a step in the right direction for him. <laughs> I just wonder if we've looked at this from yeah. two completely different angles, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I think I think I, I saw some other people say De Bruyne was good. I just thought I just didn't think that at all. Um, particularly in the first half, you know, just passing the ball out of play or whatever, and and trying things, them not coming off. Actually, um, that, I thought that's, it was very similar to Old Trafford, especially that, with the assist. That reminded me, um, passing the ball out of play. That that really that's one that's one moment that the referee really frustrated me. And I don't know if it's me being really really picky. That um, De Bruyne did that on a City advantage, and it was yeah. like the, the ball broke to him, and like the very next pass, he sweeps it out of he, he swept it out of play. And the referee went, well, that was that was your advantage used throwing. And then Wolves did something similar where um, yeah. and he, he, like one of the Wolves players swept it, I think, straight to uh, Nathan Ake in the second half. And he went, yeah. well, there was no advantage there, free kick. Yeah, and I was just like, I what are you exactly doing? What are you doing, thing. mate? Yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. Because I saw you tweet about referees playing advantage with, with one hand. Yeah. And I thought you were going to talk about that. And then I was going to say, funnily enough, now you mentioned that in the first half when he said, well, De Bruyne, you've used your advantage. I didn't know you were going to say that about Wolves' one. But yeah, it was like Gundogan was a judge to have nicked him, but I don't really think he did. And then, so it wasn't even the Gun- it wasn't even the Gundogan one. I think it might have been like a Laporte push before or something. And yeah. then there was a foul afterwards. The ref was like, I'll bring that back. It's like, oh, yeah, exactly like you say, like, what are you want about, mate? Yeah, and that that's, that stuff kind of annoys me more than like, penalties. <laughs> like, yeah, they're not giving a penalty for Grealish being hacked. Yeah, yeah. It, like it was it was a bit like Southampton had a goal ruled out at the weekend. He got stood on the guy's heel, and they ruled it out. But then Wildbeck didn't get a penalty for Brighton, and it, and that was very similar to the Grealish one. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, I know the consistency argument. I know people can kind of pick holes in the consistency argument, but it's like you got two three o'clock kickoffs and decisions are completely different just based on whatever the hell's going on at the time like there's no rhyme or reason for it but anyway that yeah it was the, it, the thing with the ref yesterday just again people say this a lot 
but I did feel it was the case yesterday. I feel like he just lost all control. Like, I just think he, he had no idea what was going on, basically. No, and the players had no idea what was going to, like, which way the fouls were going to be given, who was going to be booked and who wasn't. It was just completely uh, random. Because I suppose sometimes you get refs who just make their mind up early on. They're not going to book people. Or they're not going to book people for an hour. Or you need to get, it needs to be an incredibly high bar to get booked or whatever. And there's some you just think, they they can annoy fans because you think, oh, what, the yellow card for that or whatever. But you can see what they're doing. Yeah. But yesterday it was just like, was oh, this going to be yellow? I've no idea. <laughs> like it just it, it just depends what he feels at this specific second. Yeah. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Um, quick word on uh, Maris and Grealish, because again, thought they were great. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's almost, uh, I, like we, we're talking De Bruyne crossing to Haaland as the classic City goal of the time. Um, I'm wondering actually if if the second goal kind of uh, uh, if the uh, third goal sorry sums it up a little bit better of uh, Rodri switch it to Mares sort of um, you know classic move of City of the season because the way that the way that them two especially stretched the game uh, yesterday I thought was brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean the switches the switches of play have been a big thing for City, especially the more and more they've had to you know pull apart five man defenses. Um, and I, I suppose that was kind of part of the early City period Grealish argument, wasn't it? You know, he would kind of attract men down on the left, drag kind of the whole game that way, pass it back to Cancelo or Rodri, and then they'd, they'd switch it because there'd be more space for Mahrez. And obviously that was something that the Guardiola appreciated, but, you know, nobody really cared about because it wasn't goals and assists or, you know, yeah. just beating a man or whatever. You know, but, I've just um, realised as well that the third goal was uh, Jose Sarr just giving it to Mares. There was no switch of play in there either. So I don't know. I must, I'm thinking of a move that obviously City didn't score from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Sarr thing was basically the Edison thing from the other night, but yeah. even worse, wasn't it? Um, that was a bit mad that. But City's, like, City's press and their organisation was good yesterday. But also, um, you could see Lopetegui was really going mad at Saar, basically all game because he wasn't switching the play wide enough. And he was always, yeah, he was he was kind of inviting pressure, quite literally, because as soon as, if Wolves quite often, obviously had one-on-ones at, um, at the back and City were kind of happy with that. But there was there was time on the Wolves' right for the Saar to kind of go, you know, that mid-range kind of Edison distance straight over and he wouldn't he would just kind of go short but also he'd go short and kind of back across himself in a way that just kind of gave City extra seconds to push up the pitch and he just wasn't he, was, he wasn't um, doing at all what his manager wanted there but in terms of Grealish and Myris obviously I've mentioned that example there uh, and I mean I think part of this discourse is in some ways I've kind of explained why Guardiola likes them and why they play when people couldn't necessarily see it, or if they did see it, they wanted something different. Um, but I've, I've also maybe, by saying they can slow the game down, I think we've maybe focused too much on that rather than they can speed it up as well. It's that idea of having gears to their game, you know, where I think, to simplify it, um, the, the problem with Foden, only insofar as Guardiola's trying to balance all of his you know, his powers of players and his destabilizing players. And if you think about the team the other night with Alvarez and Haaland, everyone else was a passer, was yeah. one of those powers of players, weren't they? Everyone else slows it down. Those, so those two could therefore speed it up. And then I think one of the problems this season that Foden's had is because you've got Haaland and you've got De Bruyne. Obviously, De Bruyne was on the bench the other night, so it was less of an issue. So that's, that's three of those destabilizers. And Guardiola's obviously trying to find a good balance. And the problem in, in this context for Foden is that he doesn't slow the game down or he's not quite got that ability to slow the game down that he's obviously working towards and I think he's got better at it um, but he's not he's not there on the level of Grealish and Mahrez and I feel a bit guilty because I'm not saying I've got this massive influence over you know the whole City fan base could be loads of people in the stadium at I mean talk about millions worldwide but in the stadium at least we've got no idea what I've been saying all season but you know for those of us who kind of listen to this podcast and read my articles and stuff there, there can be a a bit of a misnomer in the sense that we talk about Grealish and Morris slowing the game down, but obviously what it is is when the but when the moment is right, according to what Guardiola wants, they can slow it down, but when the moment is right, they can also speed it up. And that's yeah. kind of the difference between them and 
and Foden. But it's funny, isn't it? Because I, when I we talked think, about... I, I do think the Wolves game, weirdly, is a very good example of uh, Grealish doing that because I think the moments he sped the game up were really, really... Um, they were obvious. They were quite... You yeah. could see them um, in the in the, in the the ways that, you know, in, in, in previous games you'd go... Um, like he's ended up with three men trying to trying to block his path, and he's had to come inside, or like he's rolled it back, like that sort of thing. The number of times where he was able to get that quick one-two down the line and and just kind of move City ten, fifteen further yard, uh, yards further forward, it, it was. I, I think I don't think it's been more obvious than it was on Sunday. Yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? Like because it was almost as if well, Grealish and Mara is starting. It's that old the day-to-day quote which nobody is going to have seen but it was the old I don't like it but I have to go along with it it's like <laughs> if, if City are going to win if this means City win then fine especially now because obviously there's no guarantee City are going to win whereas earlier in the season it was like well probably going to win this but the game might be rubbish so I don't want to see it but it was that was it if those two were playing it was okay you know what you're going to get today you're going to get a very slow game. And I always said it wasn't just those two, but those two kind of symbolized it. Because obviously you could play Gundogan, you could play Bernardo, you could play whoever. and Or Cancelo or Lewis or Ake or whatever. And the instructions would change. Guardiola would say, look, we're going to slow it down today for argument's sake. But those two would be kind of the poster boys of that. But now, um, there's no doubt that they're the two most informed wingers City have got. And now if I see Grealish and Mahrez are starting, I'm thinking, yeah, this is great, like because Mahrez has got, clearly got goals in him. Grealish is playing really well, but just seems to be really unlucky. He's like, there was, there's been a few games this season where he's been really good, and he's come close to scoring like really good goals. That one that beat Saar but was headed off the line is all. Yeah. When's a goal ever headed off the line in like open play? Like how, how unlucky is that? But yeah, it, it's good now that that's kind of why I wrote the article after the Leeds game. I was like, it's good for them too that City can. Like, I don't think there was as much control as Guardiola wanted in that in that Leeds game. But it's good for them too and their reputation among the fan base to play in a game where City score goals and create chances. Obviously, Grealish had like a bit of a shocking first half with his chances, but then he got two assists. But now it's starting to, to turn a bit, isn't it? They're both playing well. Um, and again, in terms of the instructions, I do feel like City pushed more towards that perfect blend of like, patient intensity yesterday, whereas maybe earlier this season, it's just been like low intensity patience, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, may, maybe, you know, that has been, maybe that in hindsight, now having seen the alternative with those same players, um, you know, maybe that is, maybe that is the difference. And, and again, if, towards, if City, yeah. if, and again, if City do keep that intensity and they keep finding Haaland and he's making the runs in behind and stretching the game and Grealish is confident, um, Grealish, t- even, even the fact that Grealish is taking shots from outside the box suggests to me that, he feels more confident. Mares is obviously playing well. Like it's it's good, isn't it? Like it's it's pretty exciting that when you see those teams on those names on the team sheet, I don't think anybody would be especially disappointed now, especially because there's for various reasons there's a bit of uncertainty about Foden among well, I'll say the fans, but I'll also say among the media because I think everyone had the same reaction yesterday when he wasn't in the squad, and that was hmm. What's going on here? Yeah, and you know, there's there's this suspicion, isn't there, that not just is Foden. Well, it's not. People haven't really said that he's not fit after the World Cup. It's more people have been like, "What's going on with him? Um, does he not like the instructions? Is there an attitude problem? This kind. Of, everyone's kind of got that suspicion that something's not right. But I I do think it. I mean, look, maybe 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 there is an element of that, and maybe he is a bit annoyed because obviously two years ago. So good on the wing. Last season, I think he improved as a player personally, but maybe sacrificed elements of his game. For um, the team. Yeah, to, to play that false nine role, which did I think we decided by the end of the season he was his best false nine. I think that's right. Yeah, he did and all right. I think I think that's what we were saying. Um again, not necessarily that that's true, but that was I think that was my perception of it. Um feels like a long time ago now. And then now, so he's kind of Came like, emerged that big breakthrough season on the left wing did great young player of the year I think he went into last season thinking I can win player of the year here never mind young player but um, that did a lot of the less flashy stuff that was still very good but less flashy uh, and obviously helped City win the title again and he, like we said I thought he was the, the best false nine that City had and now this season it's kind of not so much sacrificing for yourself for the team but just not fitting into it 
Um, so it has been it has been difficult. Um, but again, I don't think you know next time Grealish starts instead of Foden, I don't think you'll have loads of people on social media saying it's a disgrace or it shouldn't happen because you know, obviously currently and the situation being all that stuff that's gone on before, but currently Grealish is playing well and you know Foden's not fit. He's got a foot injury that he picked up in the in the derby that he's just taken some time to recover from, um, and he's he's not been playing well either. Um, yeah. But obviously, it's, at some point, like we've seen with Mahrez throughout the season, and you know, Guardiola said after that Chelsea game, all the stuff about Mahrez's bad attitude, but he kept playing him, didn't he? he? Kept giving him opportunities. Like Foden will keep getting opportunities if he's fit. He may even play against Arsenal on Friday. That'll be an interesting game because I don't know if Pep will go with gonna, the strongest was, team possible. Yeah, I was going to come to this shortly, so we'll we'll kind of save that for for then. Yeah. Um, okay. But I mean, two things. First off, uh, I've just googled the day to day USA to see if they see if it made it over the Atlantic for our American listeners. And uh, Google's answer was Monday, the twenty third of January. That's what that's what the day today is. <laughs> uh, so that didn't help me in the slightest. Um, and uh, the second thing, just on uh, on Grealish as well, because uh, we didn't mention it on the uh, on the Blue Moon podcast, we did, um, but because uh, I hadn't seen it by then. But uh, I enjoyed. Did you see his Sky interview after the Spurs game? Um, where oh. because obviously there was the moment with the tackle uh, where he got back and and uh, chopped the ball away from Son to stop the counter attack and the stadium went up and applauded it um, and uh, that was that was put to him as as being one of his moments of the match and his reaction was just kind of like well that's great in it I'm a winger and that's my moment of the match <laughs> yeah I, I tweeted that as well I was like you can you can slow the game down and make all the ba- the the clever inside backwards passes all you want but you're not getting the standard innovation. Until you run back and like nail somebody to stop a counter <laughs> but that's just, that is just English football all over, isn't it? Look, yeah. English football all over wants him to beat people. You know that's what they want from a winger, isn't it? They don't want slowing the game down and and clever passes to Cancelo for him to switch the play or whatever. They do want him to beat a player, but that kind of effort that is the absolute cornerstone of English football, isn't it? Like yeah. you, you, the game could the game could go on for another hundred years, I think, and that's still going to be. <laughs> the very heart of it. Christ, speaking of which, um, after the... Because I, I had the United-Arsenal game on when I got back from the City game yesterday. And afterwards, they showed a full rerun of a game from like 1998, I think it was, between United and Arsenal. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you, I put it on my Instagram. Yeah. I didn't want to put it on Twitter because I thought I'd get a copyright notice, but I put it on my Instagram. And look, I think it's a... Well, it is a private account, so I'm not sure you could see the story. But Skulls, absolutely... I'm going to try not to swear, but he bloody nails Ray Parler. <laughs> I think it's Ray Parler. It's like two minutes in. It's like... They both go in with two feet though, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they both go into two feet. But like Skulls is kind of... It's definitely... Like Skulls is a bit later, leaving one on him. Now, I'm telling you, now you'd be in no doubt that he's gone in to do him. It would be... Now it's a bench emptier. Like now everyone's off the bench. Everyone's in the ref's face. That is a red card. And everyone's played on. Like the commentators didn't mention it. <laughs> you know, I just passed the ball back to like Nicky Burton, and then he went back to like Henningberg or whatever. It was like to play on. Like nobody mentioned it. It was two minutes into the game. The goals absolutely nailed him. Unbelievable. And you just think, I mean, look, it was more than twenty years ago now, so no doubt it's changed. But it's just absolutely mad. And like, it's funny because I've normally got old games on Sky when I'm just around the house or like working out or whatever. And like, there's that. If 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 you're in England and you get the chance and you, you're flicking through Sky and they've shown that, you know, that Midlands derby between Villa and Birmingham like years ago when it was en- Enkelman let the ball go under his foot. Yeah, yeah. But th- So they show that game sometimes. There was a tackle in the first half. I can't remember who committed it. And it's a full-on, like, halfway up the shin, studs. And it was either just a yellow card and a talking to and nobody made a, a fuss about it or nothing happened I can't remember but I remember thinking it's mad how much football has changed in terms of that physicality and but that, that we have noticed it yeah. that Skulls one yeah exactly it's just completely under the radar but I mean another example of that again there was they showed a United-Liverpool game from like 2007 recently and I remember this because obviously no, it's no surprise to anyone now that uh, I was fairly into United as a when I was younger before I stopped caring um, and I remember this game and it was it was Scholes again, actually. He scored. Um, ball went out wide. The ball came in. And I think he had a shot and it got blocked and then he headed it in or something like that. And in all those years of me, you know, I've celebrated that goal at the time. I've seen it many times since. And I've, again, I've seen it many times since. But it was only when I saw it again in the last few months 
when the ball went out wide, whoever crossed it, like Giggs or O'Shea or something, he was like, his like a bit of his foot was offside, or like half of his body was offside. And I watched it, I was like, bloody hell. So like, that's offside. Like <laughs> that would be VAR now. You know, like the Zinchen- they checked the Zinchenko cross yesterday. Yeah. For Arsenal's winner to see if it was offside. That would have been that wouldn't have counted. But that not the point is not that oh VAR's there now. The point is now, now we are looking for everything. Now we are looking for kneecaps being offside. Like, because on one hand, we're scared the goal's going to be ruled out. On the other hand, we're just hypercritical. It's like now, every time the ball goes in, a ball's played into the box, it hits somebody's leg when their arm's nearby or hits someone on the chest. Everyone's shouting for handball. We just want everything now. We want everything for our team. We want any reason for a penalty. We want any reason to rule out a goal. And again, nobody with that goal 15 years ago, the commentators, the Liverpool defenders, nobody mentioned that Giggs was like, half a body offside, which now looks clear. You don't really need the lines for that if they'd have done it. Again, if you get a chance to see that goal or even just like Google it, it was like United-Liverpool 2007 um, goal scored. If just, just have a look at that cross. You think that is offside. Nobody mentioned it. And it's just, I mean, this is obviously completely irrelevant to, to a City podcast, but it is funny how, how the game has changed in terms of the, the physicality, which was just unbelievable. 15, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, but and just that the, the culture that we live in now where we just hyperanalyze, well, we hyperanalyze everything. That's why I've got a job at The Athletic. But in terms of um, decisions and stuff, it's it's wild, really, the differences. Yeah. I can't remember how we got there, but I enjoyed it. Um, it, was the, it was the Grealish running back. That was it, yeah. English yeah. football always loving a grafter, basically. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So final final question on uh, Wolves, Sam, uh, because uh, I, I I hope the Wolves game has put to bed the the whole uh, better without Haaland uh, discourse. Um, but I mean, obviously it hasn't because Guardiola mentioned next time he doesn't score that same question we asked. Um, but I I thought it was interesting the way they were using Haaland because of he kept he kept dropping deep a number of times specifically after that Spurs game where Guardiola said I want him to keep running in behind. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I've got a lot, a lot of different ideas for articles this week that I've got and, and been given, um, and I think one of them might have to be surrendered at the altar of, oh, should City have sold Jesus and Zinchenko to Arsenal, which has been fucking talked about. There we go, I've sworn anyway, which has been talked about a million times. It's um, been incessant, and I've just every time. And I've it's like, it's like just, you, the answer's yeah, but, just the same thing. It's just yeah. the same, like. What are you going to do? Keep them there? Like, oh, okay, fine. But it's it's that thing, isn't it? Of you make you make like a good or honest decision. It's like a coach or like Guardiola, for example. Oh, I want, I want to do this today, um, and this is the reason for it. Okay, fine, great. I want to keep this player. I mean, when they lost at Norwich in 2019, yeah. De Bruyne was on the bench, and Guardiola said before the game because he was asked about it, he was like, "Well, I think we've seen like Modric and somebody else." Played all their minutes for the for Real Madrid, and then they played all their minutes for the national team, and then they got injured. And he said, "Well, De Bruyne was a bit tired. I didn't want him to get injured." He said that before the game. Fine, there's your logic. And then City lost, and everyone's like, "Oh, he shouldn't have rested De Bruyne." It's like, "Oh, okay. Well, maybe he shouldn't. Maybe if De Bruyne had played, he'd have come up with two magic assists, and City would have won." But the logic, the intention behind it, is completely honest, completely normal, completely logical. It's absolutely fine. It's stupid to complain later. And I think that's the same. Okay, the the mistake with Zinchenko was not signing the replacement. But if you've got the offer on the table from Arsenal and he wants to go, 
you can't keep him around, especially as we look. We talked. We talked about this last week. He fell out ten games last season. You can't keep him around. Yeah. Um, and same with Jesus. Like, where's Jesus playing this season? Where's Jesus playing this season for City? Yeah. Yeah. He's not, is he? And we talk about destabilizing players and, and all this kind of thing. Where's he fitting in? Because he's really good. He can make those runs in behind. Really aggressive. And look, I've always kind of banged the drum for Jesus in terms of really useful squad player. Not going to score you loads of goals. Can't really rely on him to, to bang them in. And obviously with Haaland coming in last season, we knew which way it was going. And where's Jesus playing? Like, he he's just isn't, is he really? Um, as good as all those things he had, particularly off the ball and the, the pressure and the intensity and that kind of stuff. Um, he's not playing this season. So, so what do you do in that case? Like, conjure up a bid from Atletico Madrid that doesn't exist. You can't sell him to someone who doesn't want to buy him. Like, if he'd have, if he'd have had a good offer from Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Juventus or something. Um, Juventus, by the way. Well done, <laughs> um, Then great. Then I'm sure City would have said, oh, well, we've accepted... Juve's bid and not Arsenal's. They could have done that, but there was no bid. So what are you, you going to do? Anyway, I'll put those words into, put that down into 1,200 words for the end of the week <laughs> for you. Um, but the other thing, Haaland. Pep said after the game, he was talking about Haaland, because obviously he scored a hat trick, so there's a question about him. He said, with him, he said, we can't play false nine with him. He can't drop. So we need to find him in a different way. And it was like, oh, here we go. This is interesting. So I asked him, I went, is this a recent thing? Um, is this something you just kind of recently worked out? Because I think earlier in the season he was dropping a bit more. And then either I got misinterpreted what he'd said or well, and slash or worded the question badly. But then he was then he pointed out all the times when Harlan could play false nine and did drop and did it yesterday. And I was like, you've just said you can't play false <laughs> nine with him. You've said that. Again, I only heard it live. I've not listened to it back. Um, I, I may do an article on it this week. I was like, I'm pretty sure. So like, you've just said you can't play fast nine with him. You need to play in a different way. I've just asked you if, but again, it, there, there must be, unless he's just being not argumentative, but just disagreeing for the sake of it, which he can sometimes do, or his interpretation of we can't play false nine with him is different to mine. Yeah, and he thinks I'm saying what you can't do it at all, and he's going well, we can't play it in the same way. You know, maybe there was that, but yeah, it is. It is interesting that, and he said he wanted him to be more direct against Spurs. Um, yesterday, he didn't make a run in behind, which again is mad because at the start of the season he was making loads, wasn't he? And City weren't always finding him, and then they were trying to find him too soon. It was, it was just all a bit. They weren't all on the same page. Yes, I don't think he made the run in behind. And Guardiola was like, "Go, go, go," and then he like put the thumb up, like keep doing it. So it was obvious that was the instruction against Wolves. Um, and yeah, it is. Again, we talk about the players can be the same. It doesn't have to be Grealish and Morris to slow the game down. Because um, I'm pretty sure at Chelsea, it was the kind of slow the game down kind of game. But with Foden and Cancelo on the wings, but obviously Foden was kind of told to come back more towards play rather than run down the wing, as far as I remember it. And this is it now. You've got Grealish and Morris doing their thing, but you've, got, you've still got Haaland. He hasn't changed, but now he's been told to run in behind more. That, that in the the instructions to the team has changed and maybe that's how you get that perfect blend of um, patient intensity or patient directness, however you want to call it. Um, patient, di- patient intensity patient, could patient be the name of this podcast. Yeah, patient directness though sounds like an insurance company for uh, like the dentist or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That, speaking of watching Sky Sports during the day, you would see an advert for that um, <laughs> amid all the payday loans. Yeah. Uh, if I was if I was funnier, I'd have had a good mock payday loan company name there with something to do with Grealish. But Alice Bands, no, it doesn't work. I'm not very yeah, clever. When, when, um, yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> but yeah, so it, that it just goes to show, doesn't it? Like you can have Guardiola could pick the same eleven one game to the next, and they, one game they could play, you know, Anfield away, slow the game down. Doesn't you know? Doesn't matter if it's the slowest, worst game you've ever seen. If they draw nil nil or win nil one nil, they'll be delighted. But then you play the same eleven the next game against Nottingham Forest, and he's telling them all to make runs in behind and be more direct with their dribbles. Obviously, the, the opposition matters as well. But it just goes to show, doesn't it? Like you can't just look at a lineup necessarily and know what to expect. Um, and that's kind of a big Grealish and Mares thing. But yeah. it's the same with Haaland. And yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to those quotes and see what he said and and watch the games again. And whether I do the article today and publish it on Wednesday, 
I don't know. There might be something on John Stones because Stones has been really good, hasn't he? Yeah, incredible. So it's about the thing is Harlan's always going to be relevant, but like if Stones for whatever reason doesn't play in the next couple of games or he makes a mistake or something, then it's like you kind of missed that window to do Stones. So I might do I might do Stones today. That Zinchenko and Jesus thing for Friday. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain here, how this all works, and then what? What is it next week? Is the Spurs game? Uh, weekend there's a whole week there's a whole week oh fine I'll probably just do like Harlem next midweek or something but you've all been you've all been warned um, <laughs> that's, that's what's happening and that's going to be the content of it but yeah it is very interesting with, with Harlem and the runs and the drop in it's, it's just trying to find that right blend for him yeah. isn't it and obviously now you can tell the team they are trying to find him a bit more than they were at Old Trafford which was one of those things that Pep picked up on yeah Alice Benz by the way sounds like she opened the batting for England for 15 years <laughs> don't, know, don't know why that that was that was just what uh, um, just where my head went when you said Alice Benz. Yeah, um, fine. I'm, yeah, I, I mean, who am I to? <laughs> but um, that should that should have that, that should have stayed out of it with my along with my initial um, forays down that route. Um, let's finish with a quick look ahead to the FA Cup because uh, I am interested in this, Sam, because it's not yeah, often yeah. that you have, um, it's not often that you draw a Premier League side in the fourth round of the FA Cup and you haven't played them yet this season. Uh, and then mm. it's it, it makes it, I, I guess it changes the dy- dynamic even further when that is the team that is currently you're, chasing, you're trying to chase down at the top of the table. Um so I, like, I'm, I'm torn at the moment between what this game means because it, it is an opportunity for one team to land a blow on the other one. In a, but ultimately, it's a competition where the other one will say, well, OK, we need to get it right now for, for the Premier League. And at the same mm. time, like, it's it's important to show them what City can or can't do. And in, but it, it's it's important to also get the rest and rotation. Show themselves. Rhythm. Yeah, show themselves. Yeah. But equally, you don't want to give Arsenal a free cracker at how to beat City. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose. Um, I, yeah, I think all the other reasons you've mentioned there trump that one. Especially now, you know, there's a... I know it's a Friday night, so it's not quite a Saturday, but there's a free week um, to run up and prepare for it. So rotating the players... That'll be interesting to see how that's affected because with the next game coming, you know, like, what, eight days after? Yeah. That will be interesting. But it also gives Guardiola an opportunity to think, well, I don't have tired legs from midweek. I don't have to balance... You know, let's just say they had Palace at home on Wednesday night. I don't have to balance that for Arsenal. He can prepare for it however he wants. And you know, part of the part of the reason he a small part of the reason he, he said what he said on, on Thursday was because he, he wanted to see that reaction, but he wanted to see it against Arsenal. Because he's not just thinking in the in the Premier League in the title race, he's thinking the FA Cup as well. He wants to see Arsenal with that hunger. And his side matched that hunger for that game. So I think he'll play. The thing is, I was going to say a strong team, but those nine names that are on the bench, okay, Ortega, to be fair, Ortega will probably play. But those nine names that are on the bench against Spurs, if they all came in, that would constitute a strong, strong team. team. Yeah, Cancelo, Walker, Laporte, um, Bernardo, De Bruyne, Foden. <laughs> Just um, Phillips as well, obviously. Less so, because obviously Phillips is finding his feet. But that would be a strong team. But it's, again, it, it depends, because he, he, like we saw against Spurs, he, he made all those changes on a lineup that looked mad on paper, but which obviously gave them lots of different things, which I think we talked about on, on the Blue Moon podcast. And I, I tweeted before the game, so we don't need to go into that again. But I think whatever he decides is the team that he needs, whether that's Grealish and Myers and Haaland again, and the same as yesterday, basically, or a couple of changes... You know, and you know whether he decides it's Carl Walker or whether he decides you know Walker because of his experience and his pace and everything he's got, or whether he decides it's Rico Lewis because of his whatever he's got. You know this incredible bravery and on the ball and use of the ball. And I don't know why he got taken off at halftime yesterday. By the way, if anyone's wondering, I don't know. Um, but whatever Guardiola thinks is his strongest team, I think he'll go with it. He's not going to um, make changes for the sake of it. I think Ortega obviously will come in because that's the deal, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's done that before, hasn't he, with like cup finals and stuff. He was like, well, you can't full, just... F- yeah, full strength team, but bravo. Or, you, yeah, yeah, you can't you, you can't just take a goalkeeper out because you start, you know, you break their spirit a bit. So yeah, exactly. Probably be the, the fullest strength team that he can think of. I don't think we could guess what that is right now but with Ortega. Um, I am really looking forward to that. I mean, the Friday night element as well, that's a bit of a masterstroke from, from the TV people. Again, not ideal from people coming up from London. Um, 
but in terms of the TV, which is what they're thinking of in the global audience, it's a, it's a nice little start to the weekend, that. Yeah, cracking game. Uh, well, we look forward to that. Um, for now, though, Sam, that's the end of this week's Why Are We Us. Uh, as ever, thank you too, Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. Hope, again, hope you managed to follow the thread of that one. Particularly difficult today, but <laughs> we, lots to we, talk about as always. We do try, we do try. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £2 a month for 12 months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.